Welcome to the Billingshurst Family Church Podcast. For more information or to support our work in Billingshurst and the surrounding areas, please visit billingshurstfamily.church. Good morning. My name's Neil and I'm one of the pastors and elders here at Billingshurst Family Church. And this morning, we're going to look at the book of James and we're going to look at the subject of faith and about how true faith is active. And I've been really active these last few weeks during the period of coronavirus. I um, finished off a job of building my third planter uh, raised bed, which is now out in my front garden with seeds in it. And I'm really pleased I got around to doing that. And it's partly because I've got more time on my hands, which has been really good. Um, I've been making bread. I've um, There's a few little jobs here and there I've managed to finish. I've been cooking a lot more things from scratch and a lot more things are getting done. I think it's been really good to be active in a time like this. And uh, I'm sure many of you have too. Many of them are many tasks, DIY things that you've started or finished and uh, various other jobs around the house and things you just might not have done that you've either started or have completed. And that's been a really good thing. And I think we all need to be active, don't we? And I think a subject like this is such a good thing to look at because it's so practical as well. And it really relates to a need that we really have to be doing things and to be achieving things as well. So we're going to start. We're going to start in James chapter 2 and verse 14, where James says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? And three times in this book, uh, or in this particular passage, sorry, James is going to really make the same point, that faith without works is dead. That's the last verse as well in verse 26, where he says, for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so faith apart from works is dead. And the message that he gives here can seem to be completely different from what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 2. Um, verses 8 and 9, where he says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Paul makes a very important point here, and that is that we're not saved by anything that we can do. It doesn't matter if you're a really bad person, an Adolf Hitler, or if you're a really good saintly person like Mother Teresa. Nothing we can do is good enough because of our sin. Nothing we can do is good enough to save us. But we can be saved through grace. This is the undeserved mercy and favour of God. And that grace exists because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, taking our place and sacrificing his life so that we could be saved. But Paul does go on to say that he expects works. Because he then says in verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He's not disagreeing with James at all. He's just getting the order right. We're saved by grace. We get hold of that grace through faith and then there are works. But those works we don't do to save ourselves. We do them because they're good things to do. And in fact, because God has prepared for us to do them in advance. 
And James's point here really is, is more a measure of whether a faith that you see and you're told about is a true faith or not. And it's a true faith when you see something, when there are actions that flow out of that, change behaviour and things that we do, particularly as we look in this passage in how we bless other people. And um, he's really helpful then because he gives us four helpful examples. Two negative examples of false faith and then two are positive examples of real faith from people in the Old Testament. And the first example, uh, the commentator Mocha calls the person here an armchair philosopher and you see why, because they don't do anything. And um, in verse 15 he carries on and he says, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them things needed for the body. What good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. See, faith, James is telling us here, is not just words. Words don't feed people. Words don't clothe people. Something has to happen. There has to be action. There's a very simple application here. James is telling us not to be all talk and no action. And then the next example are demons. These are spiritual beings working against God and his will. And he talks about this in, verse, in verses 18 to 20. And James says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is dead? See, the demons believe. They believe in God. They know he exists. They know his power. They know his authority. They're frightened of him. But that's not faith because they don't do anything about him. They just carry on doing whatever God doesn't want them to do and working against the purposes of God. And that's an extreme example, but that's telling us the importance of that faith is more than belief. Of course it involves belief, it involves understanding of truth. But intellectual assent to the good news about Jesus and about the message of the Bible is not enough. There needs to be action. Something has to happen, something has to be done. And we see that then in our next two examples. And we start with Abraham, the person that all of the people that, that James is actually writing to, the Jews mainly, um, were descended from. And he carries on in verse 21 to verses 24. And James says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that said, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Abraham and his wife had waited many years for a son and this son was the fulfilment of a promise that God had given to Abraham where he had told him that his descendants would be as many as the, as the grain of sands on the seashore. And yet, 
God then turned round to him and said, I want you to take your son to the mountain and sacrifice him. And I'm sure Abraham didn't want to do that. But this is what faith is. Abraham did what God told him to do because faith is obedience. And that's a tricky thing. It's a tricky thing to be in that place of obedience. For most of us, it won't be that extreme. But faith involves a risk. Faith involves God not turning up. And it's interesting when you're in that place where you do what God says and nothing happens. What do you do? But the only choice really is to do what God asks. See, Abraham didn't know what God was going to do. He didn't know that God was going to send a ram in a bush that he would then sacrifice instead. But that's what God did in that situation. And it's the same in every situation. God asks us to do things. Sometimes we don't know what he's going to do. We don't know the result. We can't be certain. But he will. But we still need to obey. And faith really is simply doing what God asks. And he finishes with the example of Rahab. He says in verse 25, And in the same way was not Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. And Rahab was a lady in Jericho. And two spies had come to spy out the land and find out about Jericho before the, the whole of the army came. And somehow they got wind of this in Jericho and she hid them. And when, the, when they came, she said, oh, no, they're not here. They're not here. Uh, they've gone and sent them off in the wrong direction. And then she let them out and they went off and they got back to their people. And they made a promise to her if they looked after her and protected her that she would be saved. And they fulfilled that promise. And she became part of the people of Israel. And she became such a part of the people of Israel and such a part of God's plan because of her faith that she became one of the people that Jesus was descended from. She was allowed to be part of that amazing plan to save mankind. And what I like about this story is the fact that Rahab was a prostitute. And when I say that, you might go, what do you mean by that, Neil? I don't mean that she was a prostitute. I mean the fact that she wasn't good enough, that she wasn't the sort of person that you would think of that would be a follower of God and someone that would God use. She wasn't a holy person. She wasn't a special person. She was completely opposite to what we would expect. And that's one of the things I love about faith, that faith is not about our worthiness. It's brilliant, isn't it? It's about the fact of who God is and the fact that he is full of grace and he will use us despite the kind of people that we are. And James's simple message is all about the life of faith here, that it is a life worked out in action, action based on obedience. And often that's expressed in us helping other people. And the best example of that, the best, best example of that is, of course, Jesus, who was obedient, who was completely obedient to what God asked him to do, who had deep care and love for those in need. And you, you just look at the scriptures and the way he just put himself out for other people. He cared for them deeply. And his life was really an example of obedient faith and care for other people. But also so was his death, in that 
gave his life to meet the deepest need that all of us have, a need to be set free from sin, a need to know God as what he did on the cross as he gave his life for us and took the penalty of our sins, remove that barrier that separated us from God so that we can now know God, our loving Father, and we can be known by him as his children and belong to him. Isn't that amazing? And the way we access that result of obedience, his work to meet our deepest need, is obedience and action. And following Jesus requires an initial step of faith. And I look at it as a simple ABC. The A is admitting. The A is admitting that we're lost without him. That we cannot save ourselves. That the only way that we can be saved is through Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. And then it's belief. That's the B. Believing and trusting that he can help us. That everything the Bible tells us about Jesus, that everything that Jesus tells us, tells us about himself is true. That he is our saviour. And then it's C. It's committing ourselves to follow him and obey him. To be his disciples and do what he says. And the first action, pretty much every time that we take that step, is then to tell someone else, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to commit myself to him. And then these steps of faith continue. And it's the same thing. We live our lives by one step at a time, still following that same ABC. We, we admit the fact that we're lost without him. That he is the only solution. He is the only place that we can go to be right with God. We believe and trust in him and what he says about himself and what he says in his word. And we act as if it's true. And we commit ourselves to follow him, whatever happens, whatever is going on in our life. And that is so relevant today in this crisis period, isn't it? That we don't give up on him. That we, we see and we admit that our only way of getting through this time, our only way of coping, our only way of surviving and thriving is through Jesus and what he's done for us. That we believe his promises, all his amazing promises to bless us and look after us and protect us and we believe that they're all true. And we commit ourselves to follow him whatever happens. Whatever is going on out there, we follow him and we believe in him and we trust him and we obey him and we do what he asks. And also we then, that results in action. And we end up helping one another and we end up helping those in our community who need our help. And many of us are doing that. We've got the coronavirus support group. Many are involved in that. We help our friends and our families. We help each other in the church too. We support and encourage each other. And you know what? That will have an impact. It'll have an impact a lot more than we realise. I had one of my, chatting to one of my friends last week. And he was talking about what the church was doing for him because he's a, an isolated individual. And he was so encouraged by that. He doesn't believe yet. But I am full of faith that God will help him and encourage him. Um to trust him and I'm sure God can use that and I'm sure there's many of these things we can do that will God can take hold of our faith and the small steps we take and it's not about how good we are 
I love the fact about Rahab. It's not about how good we are. It's about how good our God is and what he can do through us. And I'm just going to pray, but before I do that, I just want to encourage anyone who's maybe thinking about taking that first step of faith, that I would love you to want to be able to do that and then to tell someone that you've, you know that you're lost without Jesus. You know you can believe and trust in him and you're going to commit yourself to follow him and do what he says and let him be the Lord and say, and your Lord and Saviour. And if you do that, please tell someone and I would love to hear from you. I'm just going to pray. Yeah, Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that when we talk about faith, it's not about how good our faith is, it's about how good you are. I want to pray, Lord, that you will help us to be faithful to you and to be active in our faith in whatever way that needs to be this week. And I want to pray that you'll take this message and you'll bless each person who's heard it and uh, really encourage us and help us as we kind of face a very interesting time at the moment. But Lord, in many ways, that's always what our life is like. And Lord, I just pray that you'll be with us now and uh, yeah, just encourage us through your amazing word. Thank you, Lord. Amen.